No need to whine and slimy blues up. Have some wine and join us on the Whiny Palooza podcast with Rebecca Green. Welcome to the Whiny Palooza podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Green. I'm a wife, mother of three, and licensed clinical social worker. I also have three fur babies at home, too. My passion has always been to help children and their families. I always dreamed of being a wife and a mother. Parents are always learning through their struggles, failures, and successes and joys. I am no stranger to this wild ride of parenting, and I know behind every great parent lies a team of supportive friends and family. I want to be part of your support system. I want you to know that you are not alone. We are in this parenting world together. Join me every week for insightful discussions with experts on parenting and marriage, as well as other parents who have found the secret to successes in parenthood. You'll learn tips and tricks to make life with your family better than ever. I hope you will follow along with me while we dive into what it takes to achieve a happy family. Hello, everyone. This is Rebecca Green for the Whiny Palooza podcast, and I am super excited. I have Shayna James here with us today. Hi, Shayna. Hi, happy to be here with you. I'm so excited. I told Shayna when I got on, like, I've been excited all day. You don't know this. You you need to go find my last episode with Shayna. I said this then. I will say this now. I have known Shayna forever, right? Literally since we were born. (laughs) Oh my God. And, and I was telling my husband, Seth last night, I was like, we're so similar. And we were born on the same day, same year. (laughs) It's so crazy. Like we're birthday sisters and we always have been. And, and we talk about the hard stuff. (laughs) Let me, let me introduce you to this phenomenal lady, Shana, Shana James. Some say we are, are outgrowing marriage as a culture. However, The problem that author Shana James regularly sees as a relationship coach and through her own divorce is that many of us have not matured enough to create the emotionally connected, sexually satisfying relationships we long for. Shana is the creator and host of the Man Alive podcast and has a TED Talk, What 1000 Men's Tears Reveal About the Crisis Between Men and Women. In this book, She uses her master's in psychology, DISC, and positive intelligence certifications to guide readers. As a relationship coach for 20 years, she humbly discovered the causes of disconnection and distrust in relationships, as well as how to build trust and keep passion alive. Shana's new book, Honest Sex, teaches us what kind of honesty is effective for creating closeness, what sex actually is, rather than what we've been taught, and how to communicate desires and upsets to create more intimacy. By examining new ways to sustain connection with a partner, author Shana James illuminates a framework for relationships to start strong and get more intimate and exciting over time. I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am to read this book. Like this book sounds amazing. We all need this book. Every single one of us. Um, I got to ask, like, what inspired you to write this book? That's such a fun question. Well, somehow my life has been uh, an exploration of many different realms, right? Including 
sex, spirituality, uh, authenticity, and communication. And so like originally I was going to write a memoir because I thought, well, that would be fascinating. Like I've, you know, studied orgasmic meditation and all of these different kinds of, um, yeah, uh, all of the, you know, Tantra and like all of these different sexual explorations that have a very spiritual and, um, you know, a deep relationship, right? It's not just like, well, and you know, there's also kink and BDSM and like things that I've dabbled in that I felt like pairing that with spirituality and authenticity and communication. I thought that would be an amazing memoir of uh-huh. my life yes. as a mother. I can barely even remember like what I did 10 years ago or 15 years ago. So it really ended up being more a conglomeration of all that that brought together around, you know, my clients and myself and the fact that people have such a hard time talking about sex and the fact that a lot of people I meet think, okay, if something's not working in our sex life, we should spice it up. We should buy lingerie. We should, we should play, we should, you know, find things to do. And I'm like, well, that's actually not the root of the problem. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Someone said to me the other day, how did they say it? They said, um, Oh, I was doing a podcast interview and they were talking about how, uh, people like novelty and, but the, but there's like this shallow concept of novelty, like I'll, you know, wear a new dress or I'll buy a new car or something. And I was like, Oh, when you're actually truly honest and when you are connected in the moment to each other, like there's always novelty. Every moment is new. Every Mm. moment there's something to discover. And it's, so intimate and so beautiful and so heartful and so hot. And yet many people don't, I think, like know the doorway to get there. So I really wanted to write a book where it was, you know, ultimately about on like how to mature our honesty, because it's not just say it like it is, right? There's a way that honesty works and there's a way that honesty causes more pain. Mm. Um, and then to really explore, okay, so what is honesty and what is sex? Because I think a lot of us have been given these, sorry, limited views of sex that makes it harder and makes it less pleasurable. And so combining all of that felt really exciting to me. It sounds perfect. It sounds exactly what every single person needs to read. I mean, why, like, why do you think it's so hard for people to talk about sex? Why is that? I mean, I I think it's passed down first of all, you know, and like when I, I wrote about this in the book that when I think about a lot of my clients say, you know, I either don't talk about it with my partner or it feels really awkward. And I started thinking about talking about it with my kid and how, you know, you and I are both pretty, like you said, we'll talk about anything. And I still notice with my kid that I'm like, when is the right time? And what do I say? And how much do I say? And, you know, uh, like, it, so I have this sense that because it's not just this open conversation in our culture, you know, like death or money or any of these things that are really challenging to talk about. Like if it was just woven into our conversations and relationships growing up, I think it would be much easier for us. Um, but it was taboo. I mean, in my eighth grade, I don't think we went to the same middle school. Mm -mm. I ended up going to the new middle school in eighth grade. And I had this health teacher who was like, she was 80 years old. I mean, she'd basically say, you know, have a great weekend and keep your pants on. But she never said, you know, like, like sex education is really biology. It wasn't here's how you can connect with another person. And here's why your body is sacred. And here's how to have consent. And here's, 
like none of that. I didn't get any of that. Did you? Yeah, no, that's what, that's what we needed. That is not what we got at all. I got to learn how the parts work. Yeah. Like, how do you actually have a baby? How do you have sex? But not any of the feeling stuff. No. And we got like, I got, I wrote about this in the book too. Like, okay, here's how you put a condom on a banana, but no emotional context for that, you know, nothing, nothing. No. But the funny thing is, is I was telling you, I was trying to talk to my husband last night. I was so excited to talk to you and I could see him (laughs) getting uncomfortable. And I was like, what the heck? But I think if he had, you've talked about this before, if he had a conversation with you about sex and it's not his sexual partner, he would be so much more comfortable I mean, can you talk about why that is? Cause it's so true. Yeah. Well, the stakes are lower, right? So when I work with men and we get to talk about sex and their desires and there isn't, you know, there's some fear that I'm going to judge them or that I will say, you know, I don't have, I really don't have a lot of judgments. I don't not, you know, about anybody's desires, but you know, if I judge him versus you judge him, right. If your closest partner has Mm. judgments and we all do. And we all, you know, again, haven't really learned how to communicate like, Oh, this part of what I wrote about in the book is like, if somebody has a, wow, that sounds really scary for me to try, you know, that's really different than no, that's not me. I don't do that. (laughs) Like, you know, so that that judgment really hurts because it's like, Oh, I'm going to open and be vulnerable with these parts that I don't really share with anybody else. And suddenly you could, you know, I think what are they, there's that saying of like, you could cut off my balls or like, I think it literally yes. feels like that. Yes. Okay. Well, let's talk about honesty and connection because yeah. we want to be able to be honest, but can you talk to us about like good honesty and like the more, like maybe not so good, more judgment, <laughs> not effective, let's call it right. Effective honesty. Yeah. I mean, I, I phrase that the, say it like it is like, I don't like this and this isn't working for me and, you know, complaining and nagging and right. None of those work. And I used to do that. I mean, part of the reason, I don't know, it's part of the reason I'm sure this is part of the reason I, I ended up divorced is because, you know, we were mismatched in our sexuality in certain ways. And I felt like I had asked for and asked for, and, you know, said my desires. And then I just started complaining and nagging. Cause I felt like, well, if that wasn't working, then I should go to complaint. Mm. And what I've realized in the past decade, since we were married is complaint never really works. You know, it's not inspiring to anyone and it has people feel shame. And so the kind of say it like it is, or complain about it, right. Is the, let's say more immature honesty. Yes. And then the mature honesty is really like, okay, how are we as a team going to talk about our desires? And what do we do when we have different desires and what am I feeling or noticing in my body when you say what you want, right? So if you say, Hey, I want to, I think my editor made me take this out of the book or change the example. Cause I wrote, you know, something about sex in public. And she was like, mm-hmm. maybe you don't want to have something illegal in the book, <laughs> but let's <laughs> use it here. Right. So it's like one person says, I want to have sex in public. And the other one's like, uh, uh-uh, no way that's, you know that's dirty or that's wrong or that's bad. Like that's the more immature, right? Whereas the more mature would be, okay. I notice when you say that I feel like my whole belly tenses up and I feel really scared. And I, I really don't want to do that. You know, but I'm open to talking about it and I'm open to finding a place where we have some synergy or, 
you know, when you really get underneath a desire, there's a, there's a why, or there's a motivation, you know? And so if we can talk about, oh, I want more adventure. I want more, you know, something like, oh, then together we can figure this out. But most people are kind of on different teams instead of the same team. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't work that way. There's a big beetle that just flew. Oh my gosh. I'm like, what is happening over there? (laughs) I've been shoving beetles out my window. Apparently this is the beetle season and I don't have a screen on this window and they're all just attacking me. What is the temperature where you are? Probably 65, 70. Okay. So a lot, a lot nicer than rainy Buffalo today. Oh, so, okay. This fascinates me so much. You're, you say, you say that we don't know what sex, sex actually is. If I could spit it out, (laughs) tell us what sex actually actually is. So to me, sex is exploration and play. And it's like, how do we come together with another person energetically, emotionally, physically and explore, right? Like, so to me, you know, a lot of people talk about sex as the genital stimulation or intercourse. Mm -hmm. And I always have to be clear, right? Like if I'm dating someone and I'm like, okay, when you say sex, what do you mean by sex? Cause I have a different, you know, sometimes I have a different definition of sex than you might have. And so let's get clear what we're actually talking about. Yes. Um, Cause to me, like it's because we limit it, you know, to intercourse or genital stimulation. it's like, we're trying to get somewhere Mm. oftentimes. And okay. That's the goal or orgasm is the goal. Whereas I've had incredibly passionate, intimate, hot experiences, like looking into someone's eyes and breathing together. And in Tantra, you know, you can have energetic sex and energetic orgasms and you can, you can like merge with your energy bodies and with your emotional bodies and with your heart and with, you know, and it can be incredibly, incredibly passionate. And so I like to expand the definition of sex a, because when we expand it, then we actually recognize we have more of it, right. It becomes less of a scarcity thing. Mm. And I think when we're not trying to get somewhere, when we're really enjoying the moment, whatever kind of contact, even if it's just like, okay, our fingers are touching and how does it like, how does it feel to rub our palms together? It's like, there's so much sensuality in all of our body and in just looking at each other and breathing that when you start, I mean, you have to learn to then tap into the subtleties of it. But once you do, there's so much pleasure to be had. Well, and as I'm listening to you, I think the thought, the thought is that there shouldn't be an end goal. Like there shouldn't be like, why are we trying to achieve something? Why don't we just like be together? Enjoy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all taught or because we're not taught. It's like, that is the most, you know, that is the most pleasurable thing to get to an orgasm. I mean, a lot of like, when I've talked with people who are not heterosexual, you know, their sex lives are very different. And it's often, I, I can't say they for everybody, but often the people I've talked to are like, it's not so intercourse based and it's not so you know, necessarily orgasm based, like there's just much more play and expansion and curiosity. And, you know, because we're not given a script, even, you know, heterosexual relationships with chores, it's like, we have this kind of script of who should do what. Mm -hmm. And when there isn't one of those people to fill that gap or fill that role, it's like, oh, well, what do we want to do? And who, who are we going to be together? 
and I, I just compared chores to sex life, but it's like, no, but it's no, it's absolutely true because it's all, it's all gender-based still. It is. is. Yeah. And so when we throw that out and we throw out, okay. Um, you know, I'm not saying that orgasm is bad or even in the book, I have a chapter, what is orgasm? Because orgasm for a lot of people is this like 10 to 50 second, you know, moment of climax and having studied orgasm for a while, what I know is like, you can have these rolling, waving orgasms that last for hours and hours. And, you know, men can orgasm without ejaculation and women can ejaculate and like all these things can happen that I never learned about until I was in my twenties. And I want people to know, and I still feel a little shy talking about it. Like I'm, even though I wrote the book, I'm not one of those people who is, you know, fully just gung ho. I still feel a little like, Oh, this is a tender topic. I wish, I wish it wasn't like, I'm, I'm, I just keep thinking about my children. Like I want to be more comfortable talking to my husband about it, talking to my kids about it. Like even the fact that I have that desire, that means I can work on this goal. Yeah. See, and there's always a goal. We all can. And I think it's great for people to hear that, that you and I are still working on that and playing with that and that it's not necessarily comfortable, but that we're willing anyway. And I think that's part of it. It's like, are you willing to be uncomfortable and have those uncomfortable conversations? Because on the other side, there's a lot of energy. So if we, if we equate passion with energy, right, there's a deadness that can happen when we avoid Mm. having these conversations. And over time, if I think I'm supposed to know your body, but we're all growing and changing Yes, like every day, you know, and we're getting older and our bodies are working differently. And so a lot of people think, I'm already supposed to know, and it shows a weakness or there's something wrong with me if I don't know how your body works. So, and now we've been together for 10 years. So I shouldn't ask that question because I should have asked it 10 years ago. And now I should know, but no, right. We get to throw all that out and say, okay, let's have an uncomfortable conversation. Well, yeah, because it's so sensitive because you don't want to hurt. Like you want to just say to your partner, it's fabulous. Everything is fabulous. It's wonderful. You're everything you're doing is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, Like you just want to stroke their ego. Like there's so much ego involved and I just want to make him happy and make him feel good. And I don't want to say anything wrong. So I think we don't talk about things because we don't know how to do it without hurting Right. Yeah. So well, one of the things that I have in the book is a debrief conversation. Cause I love the debrief after having sex it doesn't have to be right away. It could be the next day, but you know, instead of hoping and praying that it gets better, yes, <laughs> it's like, okay. So, and the way I frame it is, all right, what did you enjoy? Like, what was great about that? And then instead of what didn't work for you, like, what would you want more of? So it's challenging because we have to put it in terms of the desire, not the complaint, but the way I see it is that every, if it's like an opposite side of a coin, right? Every complaint has a desire. And so if you're like, wow, what didn't work is that you went too fast and you weren't necessarily connected to me. And I wanted to, I wanted to feel loved, right? Then it would be like, oh, well, what I want more of is I want to see what it's like to slow down you know, even for part of it, or even for a minute, I love having short experiments too. Like, can we try for a minute, just going super slow and like not trying to get anywhere and see what happens or five minutes or, I love you it. know, yeah. Yes. And then the other question also is like, is there anything that you were scared to tell me or anything that feels vulnerable, which again, you know, it's risky, but risk is 
risk is often present more in the beginning of a relationship. And then we get, we get the safety, right. But Esther Perel wrote mating in captivity. It's like the, the safety is amazing, but the novelty and the, the not knowing what's going to happen, the spontaneity is what happens in the beginning of a relationship. And so we can actually bring those two back together. I love it. I guess. So what I'm hearing, we should debrief. I like the debriefing, but so what are your thoughts about during don't say stuff during like, what are your thoughts? All the time. Like, so I have a chapter that that has the before, (laughs) during, and after like what to talk about. Oh, I love this. Which I will say I've been schooled lately. I started dating and there's a man who introduced a convert, like a pre-sex conversation to me it's called stars. I highly recommend looking it up. And I had never done that before. And I really feel like if I were to go back and, you know, edit the book at some point, I will add in this woman. I can't remember her name. Um, but her pre-conversation is amazing to talk about, you know, what turns you on and what turns you off and, um, you know, sexually transmitted, you know, what we don't call it diseases anymore, STIs instead of STDs, like, but having all of those conversations. So I personally feel like you can talk about sex anytime. And before is a really great time to talk about those things. Like, Oh, what do you enjoy? What do I, what might you want fantasies? And then during, you know, I, it's like, you might not necessarily want to have a whole, you know, diatribe or long conversation, but I think that's the time to talk about, Oh, this would feel better. Or I want to try this, or would you be willing, you know, to change this up a little bit? Like, I think still, if we're not talking and asking for what we want or letting someone know what feels good and what, what could feel more amazing, what doesn't feel good, then, you know, we lose it, right. Then the, the passion doesn't get to build the intimacy doesn't get to build. So in each phase, I think there are different ways to talk about it that are more effective. I love it. We need that. We all need that. I I need to read this book, Shana. (laughs) <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> I'll send you one tomorrow. Okay. So you mentioned happy sex. What is, you have a chapter, I believe called, called the myth of happy sex. Oh, okay. So tell us what this happy sex is. Yeah. So I have a sense that a lot of people are trying to get back to happy. Like mm. we have to be happy before we have sex and we have to be happy with each other. And that's the time that sex happens. And what I said in the book is like, you know, it doesn't account for the fact that makeup sex, right. It can be some of the hottest sex that people have. And so there's like energy and frustration and irritation. And I shared a story in the book about a time when I was really, there was a lot of grief, you know, in my heart, I had been to a funeral and I didn't actually realize how sad I was and how, you know, until my partner was like, what's going on with you? You don't really seem like you're here. And I burst into tears and felt, you know, just this wave of sad. It was like his love helped me open my heart to all of the sadness and everything that was there. And I think a lot of people are, are hesitant, like, well, you know, I can't stop things right now because this is our only chance. And if we have kids, right, it's like, there's barely any time we can have sex. And so if we talk about this, then it's going to go in a different direction. I would say for me, that experience was an example of you know, we ended up making love and it was so deep and beautiful. And I felt so loved and appreciated. And I was crying and, you know, his heart was open. It was just like, oh, we don't have to try to get ourselves back to some state to have sex, right. Or to be intimate. And 
again, sex could be we're cuddling and we're breathing together and sex could be we're, um, you know, laying in bed and looking into each other's eyes again, because I have this wider definition of sex. So it doesn't have to be suddenly, you know, our genitals are together. So yeah, I really feel like we miss out on a lot of beautiful, transformative, intimate experiences when we think it has to be this, you know, picture of happiness. Well, I guarantee you that my husband is going to listen to this and he is going to love you right now because this is what is so frustrating. Like we can't agree with you more because he will say to me, well, she had a bad day, so forget it. And I'm like, and I get so mad at him Uh -uh. because I am like, no, like if, if I've had a bad day, like that doesn't rule out sex. Like sex isn't gone because I had a bad day. Like I'm going to have a bad day. I'm going to have a bad hour. Like I'm not going to be smiling and roses and sunshine every single day, all day. That doesn't mean you're not getting any sex. (laughs) Yes. And I think for men, especially when they get that, then there's also more of an acceptance of our moods, right? Cause then it's not tied to shit. Yes, a hundred percent. Thank you for clarifying that for every single couple that listens to this. If you, if you are not having a happy moment, you can still have sex. Yeah. And it can be, you know, that's the thing too. There's a whole chapter on like, we're not who we think we are. And so a lot of times we, this is the spiritual part, you know, we identify with, or we, we think my partner's upset. That's who she is, or that's who he is. And in one of my partnerships, it was so beautiful that we really did a lot of spiritual practice together and got to the place where I could be like, Oh, I see you. I see that part of you that's upset. And I see the part of you that's deeper than that. And like, I can relate to both of those parts, not just go into my young part and feel totally afraid and scarce. And, you know, and just like our little parts start to bounce off of each other. And then things feel really just tight and awkward. And, you know, but when we start to have this deeper sense of who we really are, and again, it's like expanding what sex is expanding who we know ourselves to be as human beings, expanding what honesty actually is, then it's a game changer. I think that I have never seen my daughter more happy than me explaining to her how normal all of her feelings are like all like we all love that you're doing that for her right like oh my gosh of course you can feel that I feel that too like we feel all the emotions I have never seen her like this big sense of relief like this is normal (laughs) so let's talk about intimacy okay what is true intimacy can you like Mm. define that for us is that too hard? I'm not, I'm not a great definer, but I will say, <laughs> I think, um, when I think about intimacy, it's like being known and seen and understood for who we really are together, right? Like that we're, we're touching emotionally, energetically, physically, like in our vulnerable places. And so there's, it's not hiding or defending or I'm going to put on a mask and try to be someone, right? It, it, to me, it feels like a letting down our guards and a letting down. It's not really letting go of the fear. Cause I think a lot of us have a fear. Like if I show this part, you're not going to love me anymore. Mm, if I show yeah. this part, you're not going to be attracted to me anymore. And 
I think there's some reality to that, you know, and, and if we take it to the extreme, if someone's always falling apart or someone's, you know, can't recognize that, okay, part of me is going to feel sad a lot, but another part of me, you know, is a strong and powerful woman, right? If we get stuck in, in our feelings or we get stuck in things, then that's not necessarily intimacy either. But I've had so many moments of vulnerability, my sharing vulnerability and partner sharing vulnerability. And, um, you know, where then like we feel closer, I don't have to be someone for you to love me. Uh, and this is still a hard one for me. Cause I still think I have to be, you know, I have to take care and I have to make sure that you're happy. And I have to do all these things. Like I've got the, the good girl, like many men have the nice guy also. Um, and so it can be challenging, but I think as we start to let down our guard and take some risks and be known for who we really are and what we really want and what we're afraid of, it really allows us to relax more and, you know, and, and feel loved for who we actually are instead of, oh yeah, they love me, but they don't really know me. And if they really knew me, they wouldn't love me. You know, I think as we walk around with a lot of that, um, it doesn't allow us to, to relax and feel that sense of safety in the world and our relationships. That's so sad. It's so sad. Like to be vulnerable, it's just so hard for people. And they think that like their true identity is not lovable. It's just like, Oh, it's just so sad to me. I still like, I still have a lot of that as much spiritual work as I've done. I feel like in some ways it gets more intense. Like I can see those little parts of me that are like, you're not going to love me because my hair's turning gray and you're not going to love me because now I breastfed a kid and my breasts are sagging or (laughs) like, there's a lot of physical ones for me that I have. And then, you know, the too much, not enough. Okay. Now, you know, you're not gonna love me because I'm too much. You're not gonna love me because I'm not enough. I'm a prude. I'm a slut. I'm all these things. Like I have to like, you know, find that middle ground and that's exhausting. (laughs) And and then there's me who says to Seth, you picked me. I, okay. So we need to spend more time together because I need that. I need some of that. <laughs> just shows like, oh, oh we God. all have these different aspects that we are, you know, I don't want to say good at, but like that are natural for us. Mine definitely was not that. I love that. You picked me. So I'm like, why are you surprised? He's like making fun of me wanting to go to the pumpkin patch or whatever. And I'm like, dude, I'm like a All little girl inside. I'm like, you, you love it. And you're going to go with me. I love that. Oh my gosh. No, I'm sure there's lots of stuff that I still try to hide. We all have work to do, but, um, what did I want to ask you coming alive? Okay. When you talk about coming alive, I feel myself coming alive. Mm, so like that. Uh, so like this is a big concept for you. So how can we, I guess I have a two-parter, like how can yeah. we come more alive and then how can we come more alive together? Together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think coming alive has a lot to do with being honest with ourselves. Right. And if we're not honest with ourselves, then we can't be honest with our partner. So to me, you know, I had to get honest recently and I'm going to say this and you know, you work with a lot of moms. So I think moms will get it, but I was like, I need less time with my kid. Uh, my kid is about to turn 11. We've been in a freaking pandemic. I've <laughs> yep. spent way more time than is like hundred percent. Yes. You know? 
Yes. And I notice that when I'm separate out in the world, like I feel lighter and I feel more ease. Yes. And I'm exhausted parenting. So it's like, okay, I had to get honest with myself and figure out ways that could be good for both of us, like more friend time and, you know, other babysitters who could bring some other like energy into my kid's life. So I think it's getting honest with ourselves about what does have me feel more alive and where is there guilt and shame and, you know, things keeping me from thinking that what I want is actually okay. So Mm -hmm. I think it does get connected to our desires a lot. Um, I have what I call, I almost did a chapter on how different desire types, but it just got too complicated. So I took it out, but I have what I would call disappearing desires. Like my family was very chaotic and I just like disappeared my desires because it was like, well, if, if some of them get what they want, maybe we'll actually have some peace or maybe people will stop fighting. That's not what I thought you were going to say. What do you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say you have disappearing desires. Like you want to disappear and get space. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. I do want that now. Okay. But go back to that. So if you don't worry about your own desires, if you yeah. worry about other, okay, keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, like if I make sure everyone else has their desires, then maybe things will go better. But then that leaves me in a place of not very much aliveness. So I've had to really start to look at, okay, what do I actually want? You know, what would have me feel more alive? And then I think together it, it, you know, it can be risky because it's like, well, what if you want this thing and I don't want this thing? How do we navigate that? And I think there are just many more creative ways than most of us think about. And again, we talked about in the beginning, it's like, you know, we have motivations for our desires. And so, yes, you may want something that looks different than I want, but if we can get to that underlying motivation and we can get to, oh, I want to help you have some kind of experience that you're longing for, that is intimacy, right? But I want, I don't want to do it in a way where I'm going against myself or losing myself somehow. I want to do it in a way that's still, you know, I feel good about and I respect myself. So, okay, let's explore these different ways together and take some risks. Risks. Well, okay. So ego keeps going through my mind. Okay. Okay. So taking risks, being more vulnerable. Yeah. Why it, God, I wish we could get rid of the ego. How, how do we take ego out of sex? How do we get rid of that part? It's so, such a great question. Someone just said to me, right? Like, I want to be able to have sex and love without ego. And I was like, only, it's only a lifetime journey, right? Like that we're right. Exactly. So beautiful to imagine. Exactly. I mean, okay. So here's where I think, again, if we start relating to ourselves differently, oh, my ego is going to come up. I'm going to feel shame. I'm going to feel guilt. I'm going to, I'm going to shut down sometimes, but if I don't shut down about my shutdown, right? Like, I mean, this has taken me a long time to learn. It's like, oh, I can be in a conversation with you and be like, wow, I'm feeling so much shame right now. And I'm going to practice not going down the shame spiral into how bad and wrong I am. I'm going to feel the knot in my stomach. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to cry you know, like whatever it may be. And again, I think people need support with this. If you've never done it, um, I'm gonna watch my ego, but not identify that this is all of me. 
Mm-hmm. And that might mean, and I think women tend to do this more than men, but I would love to see men feel more free to do this. Like sometimes I need to cry for a couple of minutes and just let it through and not even necessarily know why I'm crying or where it's coming from or, you know, but okay. I, there are these parts of me that are still young and they feel shame and embarrassment and okay. But if that doesn't mean I'm unlovable, if that doesn't mean that we have to stop doing what we're doing, then maybe it's actually not so bad. So good. So good. We have to like, I guess I just love how you're describing talking to yourself. If we mm. could all talk in a more gentle fashion to ourselves, way to ourselves, like everything, I mean, forget sex. Like sex is just one thing. If we yes. could do it in with everything, everything, we would be such happier people. No, <laughs> right? I have a teacher who's 80, who I quoted in the book and she's just like, I, I never want her to leave this planet because I just, I adore her so much. And she's so wise. And she sometimes says, oh, sweetheart, like, of course you're feeling what you're feeling, you know? And that's something that I've internalized. Oh, sweetheart, of course you're feeling sad, or of course you're feeling mad or whatever oh, it is that we can just, you know, so accept gentle. it first. So gentle. So gentle, just talking gentle with each other, with our, I mean, I even think like I will slip and say something and be like, oh, if you would have said that in a nice, gentle fashion, it would have gone so much better. And then you can redo it, right? I think if we have these agreements that you can say like, hey, sweetheart, I just, I realized I talked to you in a way that didn't feel good to me. And I imagine it didn't feel good to you. Can I try that again? Oh, that's beautiful. I'm, I'm going to be such a better wife after this podcast. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So, okay. So we're nice girls. There's nice girls. There's nice guys. How do nice girls and nice guys still get their needs met? Mm. I think we have to ask. (laughs) There's a lump in my throat. Cough it out. Yeah. I think we have to say what we want. And I think we have to, in order to do that, we have to be honest with ourselves to know what we want and know that, you know, my premise is that all desires are good. Even in some of them, you might want to act out and some of them you might just, you know, have these fantasies and long for, but realize like, I don't want to put that into actual action. So I think, right. Unless we can actually know what we want and communicate it, we're going to get resentful. Passion's going to fade. We're going to feel kind of deadened inside. So I think that all comes together in a, in a yes. unit. So passion is so many things. And part of that is communicating desires and being honest. I think so. Yeah. Cause right. Passion alive, you know, passion can be sexual passion. Passion can just be this aliveness and zest for life. And if we're not talking about the things that have us feel excited and we're kind of hiding those because we feel ashamed of them, then I think the passion dies or doesn't die. It fizzles. Fizzles. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good word. I am so intrigued by you saying that we hide from intimacy mm. through sex. Mm. And you explain that. Yeah. It's funny. I don't remember where I said it, but I think, I think if we're having a certain kind of sex where it's goal oriented, where we're not actually, you know, really communicating or really seeing each other, 
I think that's a place where some people hide and it's like, oh, I just want to, you know, I want to get off or I want to, and there's, again, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't think there's anything bad about that. It's just like, I think in the book, I called it one dimensional sex versus four dimensional sex. Ah, I love that. The one dimensional is like, okay, I can have a physically pleasurable experience. Now, a lot of, as I get older, a lot of my clients are getting older and many people I know are no longer satisfied. It's kind of like, well, yeah, I got off or I had an orgasm, but something just doesn't feel, mm. just doesn't feel good or it doesn't feel right. Or I end up feeling like this missing after, and I don't know why I feel sad, but like, that's weird. Cause I just had this pleasurable experience. But I think a lot of times it's because there is a kind of hiding and there is like, now we're having this, what could be a really intimate experience, but I feel more alone because it wasn't really together. So that's how I would say, I think we hide, you know, through sex and the four dimensional experiences where you're aware of your physicality, your emotions, your energy body, and also your partners. And, you know, I've had partners who, and I can do this with my partners too, or I can feel what they're feeling and they can feel what I'm feeling. And so then it's this exponential experience. And then we can attune more to each other or as we attune more to each other. And we know like, oh, I can feel that when I you know, touch you in that way, you have this beautiful experience. Now I can feel it in my body. Then it becomes, again, it's like this exponential four-dimensional experience that I think sadly, a lot of people don't get to. And now I just have the voice. It's like, I can't believe I'm talking about all of this. So in public, but (laughs) no, but this is the, this is the stuff that we want to make public. We want people to be more comfortable talking about it. I, um, laugh at people who I've heard, like sex is like a checklist, like check it off the list. Like you're talking about the total opposite of that. This is so good. So good for us to hear. I, you know, I could talk to you all day. (laughs) I know. I would love that. You know, I mean, like, I'm like, I got to talk to Shana again, but anyways, um, tell us how, like, tell us how to find you, tell us where to find the book, tell us all the good stuff. Okay. So currently the book is on Amazon, the Kindle version, and you get it for 99 cents for the next month. And then I am, and I'm not trying to like be coy about this. It's just, I haven't actually figured out like the dates and when it's coming out, I'm talking to my marketing team today. Um, and so sometime in the next couple of weeks, the paperback will be out, but you can always go to my website, which is shanajamescoaching.com slash honest dash sex. And you can, you know, order pre-order. Um, and then if for some reason you, you know, it's not the, the way you want to read it is not available. Just email me at Shana at shanajamescoaching.com and we'll make sure that you get it. And what about like coaching? Are you taking more clients? Like, can they yeah. look for you for that? Yeah, totally. Email me at Shana at shanajamescoaching as well. Shana's S-H-A-N-A. Um, you know, I, I tend to have a couple slots available as uh, the months go on and people rotate in and out. So yeah, definitely reach out if you're looking for support. And you know, like you said, if you are hesitant to talk about sex or there's something happening in your relationship, again, it might, might be emotional. It might just be not feeling connected and the stakes feel too high to have that conversation, right? I'm happy to, you know, work that through with you. And really some of it is learning like, okay, I just need to be able to say it and get it out of my mouth 
And some of it is, oh, why am I actually embarrassed? You know, what is keeping me from feeling good about wanting what I actually want? And so there is often some deeper work to do. And, you know, we get to pause that conversation that we're in, you know, role-playing and say, oh my God, why, like, what is happening? And why is your heart so tender in this moment? And, you know, we get to go in deeper and that you can do that with a partner if you're, if you're both trained people, but if you're not both trained people, it, it tends to be really hard to do that. Well, I guarantee that you're an amazing coach and Aww. your clients are lucky to have you. And we were thank lucky you. to get you on this podcast today. I can't thank you enough. Oh, I feel lucky to be here with you. I love you. I love you back. This is Rebecca Green reminding everyone to spend every day laughing, learning, and loving. Thank you for tuning in to the Whiny Palooza podcast. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. While you are there, leave a review. I love to hear your feedback. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>